The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, account professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Broadcasting from Caritas, Alabama, this is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Well, here we are, two days before Christmas, one day before Christmas Eve. Can't wait till the 25th. That's the saying everybody uses in Medjugorje. And obviously, that's tied to Christmas. And the village became habited in saying this throughout the decades and maybe even centuries. That when something was coming up, it could be in the middle of June or it could be in the middle of of October, and it could have been October 14th, but they knew it was a big celebration or some big thing or a big wedding, whatever it was, and they'd say to each other as they passed, can't wait till the 25th, became a greeting. Of course, we know what happened June 24th, June 25th, 1981, actually the 24th, but the 25th came, and that's the official day I even said, I want my anniversary to be on this day, not the eve, but it shows that eves are important. Of course, that eve was feast of the John the Baptist, which was preceded by the coming of Messiah. So all this is wedded into just Christmas. In fact, when I came here in 1988 uh, with Maria and stayed with us for three months and had all the apparitions and tens of thousands of conversions, it was around uh, the whole joyful mysteries. We actually had that play out. Maybe we'll talk about that on the 25th. Can't wait till the 25th, huh? 
So we'll do that. Um, and actually, you might you got a couple announcements before we get started. You might want to even say that about the 25th now. Yes, the uh, 25th, of course, Christmas is on a Saturday this year, and so we won't be broadcasting on Christmas Day. And the next day being Sunday, of course, we don't broadcast on Sunday, of course, unless the Ten Secrets are released or something along those lines. But And our ox be in the ditch. <laughs> and the ox I'm sure everyone would agree with that. <laughs> but uh, the show for the 25th, Christmas 25th, uh, will be on Monday the 27th, and it will begin at 5 p.m. Central Time USA, and that will... Uh, be beginning with two hours of Christmas music, uh, followed by one hour radio wave speaking about the 25th message. What kind of re- Christmas music? Different kind, right? Different kind. Good Christmas <coughs> music. Radio wave, our radio wave music. So you, you know what that is. If you like that, you'll like this coming up. Well, we're going to start. This is Medianomics, of course, and it's about economics. And, of course, now everybody's outside doing everything, hustling and bustling and spending a lot of money. Much of it on what they shouldn't be spending on. But Joan's got a story, and it's rather long, but it's appropriate for this season. And we'll comment after that. So, Joan, why don't you get started with your story of the week? The last best gift. It was my 12th Christmas, and school had finally let out for the holidays. The kids on the bus were bouncing and laughing, showing off trinkets from class parties. When we got off at our stop, though... All joy drove away with our schoolmates, leaving us in a cloud of smelly exhaust on the long, empty road. We turned toward home to walk in single-file silence. Five skinny, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, look-alike kids. Bits of wood flicked as Roddy, the oldest, whittled away at a little wooden warplane. Len, the youngest, stretched his stride to match Roddy's footprints. I watched Len's sodden shoelaces flapping and frayed. Our sisters, Liz and Ellie, lagged behind as we slogged through the slush to face our first Christmas without Dad. It was 1946. My friend Quinn's dad had died in the war, and the Ladies' Society had brought special things for his family's Christmas, but not our dad, and not for our family. In a way, though, It was the end of the war that killed him. He lost his job as custodian when the Baxter Armor Hospital closed. After that, between his carpentry and our little go-broke farm, Mom said he just worked too hard and worried too much. We'd all stood there after the ambulance drove away, watching the snow whip across the porch light, feeling as bleak and hollow as that endless January night. Then our own little war began. Survival. Come spring, Mom sold the farm, and we moved to five acres and an old one-room schoolhouse. We slept in an army tent, worked on neighboring farms, and spent every spare hour adding a kitchen and two bedrooms to the building. Now the lights of our little house beckoned in the early dusk of Washington winter. As we threw open the door and stomped the slush from our feet, Mom called, There's a surprise when your chores are done. Coming back from milking, I saw it, propped behind the house, the most enormous Christmas tree ever. We didn't question how it got there. Roddy and I wrestled it through the door. Its sharp fragrance penetrated our lungs as we nailed boards on and stood it up. Mom quietly fingered its deep green needles, which glistened from the melt of light-fallen snow. Our eyes feasted on it. 
Its spikes scraped the ceiling, and the branches almost blocked the doors to the bedrooms. Best of all, it crowded out the gloom that had followed us home. Then ran in circles, whooping with delight. Ellie begged, Can we decorate tonight? Mom nodded, If you can find the ornaments. Ellie grabbed her coat from the school hooks by the door and dashed out with the flashlight, then close behind. Try the big shed, Mom called, and tie those shoes, Len. The old farmhouse had been double the size of this little place, and we hadn't gotten rid of a thing. The two sheds and the old tent were pretty jam-packed, and the house, with its abundance of cubby holes, was crammed. Everything was there, somewhere, but we could never find what we wanted when we needed it, except for Dad's old carpentry tools, which I'd carefully oiled and hung in the smaller shed. I had a few tools of my own, one of which I'd found on the road last summer a beautiful screwdriver with an oversized handle of inlaid wood. Dad would have liked it. His tools were just about all he'd left to us. Those and three end rolls of paper he'd brought home way back when he was custodian at Sunset McKay Sales Book Company. Dad was supposed to toss them into the furnace to heat the building, but he just couldn't see burning a thing before its best use was realized. They stood propped in the corner of the living room, two rolls of tissue paper and one heavier, good enough to draw on. I think that, until that moment, we'd been saving them, as if holding on to a piece of Dad himself. This dragged out the heavy one. Let's make a banner, Rich. We cut a piece from the roll and smoothed it across the floor. As Liz poked through the stubs, she asked Mom, Did you finish your Christmas sweater? Mm-hmm. Mom smiled as she rocked and nodded. Somebody had given her the yarn, and she'd been knitting every night for a month. We kids tried not to bicker and helped each other with homework so as not to interrupt her. With Mom's new job on top of everything else, that Christmas sweater was the first thing she'd done just for herself since Dad had died. Roddy joined the little kids in hunting for the decorations, and then we unpacked our memories. The tin carousel that turned in the heat of its candles, the old glass ornaments from Norway, the wooden creche Dad had carved for us kids to paint, faded paper Santas from each child's kindergarten, and miles of crinkled tinsel and tangled lights. It was the next day, Christmas Eve, before the last piece of tinsel went on. We fed more wood to the shiny porcelain heatilator, and the room took on a glow all its own. Let's eat supper by the tree, Liz suggested. Like a picnic, Ellie chimed in. And we did. Hot dogs, macaroni, and green beans with hard-boiled eggs from our own chickens, milk from our own cow, and ginger cookies we had all helped drizzle sugar frosting on. It took forever for me to fall asleep. Roddy, next to me, didn't move a muscle after pulling up the quilts, but I could tell by his breathing that he was awake, too. Then arranged the cover several times, but none of us spoke. Away from the warmth of the big room, the cold emptiness of Dad's absence enveloped us. He should have been tucking us in and closing the door with his traditional Christmas admonition, you stay out of Santa's way now, and no peeking. Nobody had even mentioned hanging stockings. We all knew things were bad, and we'd only get one small present from Santa. We all knew...
but we weren't prepared for just how small that pile of presents would appear under that great, huge tree when we crept out of our bedrooms in the morning. The puddle under Mom's boots told us she'd already done our chores. Ellie, Liz, Len, and I all scrunched on the couch and sat straight as pokers with our hands folded. The bentwood rocker creaked as Mom lowered herself into it. She pulled the hem of Dad's old blue corduroy robe around her ankles. I thought I saw tears in her eyes, but I wasn't sure. I'll stoke the fire again, Roddy said. I think he was more intent on prolonging the gift opening than warming the room. We all waited, trying not to stare at the base of the tree. I wished we kids hadn't drawn names. Ken's feet began to bounce in impatience. That rich opened my present first, he said, as Roddy took his place in the olive green overstuffed chair. Dad's chair. Everybody said Len looked the most like Dad. But Roddy turned to Len with Dad's eyes and Dad's tone. Hold your horses, Sonny. Dad had always started at the bottom of the pile, so the first gift would be a surprise, but this pile was a single layer. So Roddy did the next best thing. He stirred them around with his hand to choose the first at random. Let's see here. He turned the tag to read it. For each gift, he stirred and drew and slowly read the tag, but no matter how he tried to make it last, those presents were opened in no time at all, and we sat, each with two gifts in our hands. I held a paper ornament Len had made at school and a little pickup truck, real metal, with a red cab and a green box. Liz got up first. She placed her gifts on her spot. Don't anybody sit on these. And she knelt to look under the couch. Her bathrobe sleeve jammed way up as she stretched her arm underneath. I couldn't tell what she pulled out, even though she was mere feet from me. Ellie, who had a better view, got a funny look on her face. Then she, too, scooted off the cushion and left her presence behind to dig through the pile of mittens by the hooks. Then Liz hauled one of Dad's old tissue paper rolls into the girls' room. Suddenly, it must have been magic because I don't know how we knew. We were all looking for things, under furniture, behind boxes, and in cubby holes, secreting what we found into the pockets and folds of our robes. The second giant roll of tissue paper went to our bedroom, and scissors and tape were passed back and forth as we hid what we were wrapping from the others. With new gifts piled under the tree, we took our places again, not quite so poker straight this time, and Roddy handed them around. I unwrapped my long-lost penny whistle. Ellie hugged her missing baby doll. Mom had a matched pair of gloves again. We kept it up all morning. We got dressed and searched the tent and shed, finding things, wrapping them, ripping them open again. We threw the paper every which way, bounced lost balls, tried on missing hats, played jacks. We got sillier and sillier. We even sneaked into each other's drawers and wrapped things that hadn't been lost at all. Somewhere in there, Mom put cranberries on to boil and a chicken in the oven. The aroma rose, filling the house. So did the mountain of crumpled tissue paper. We had to wade through it to get to the kitchen when she called us to eat, while the last set of gifts waited under the tree. After dinner... I'd never felt so full, not just of food, but of fun, of pure joy and anticipation. I could hardly wait for the others to open what I had for them. 
This last pile had more gifts than all the others. Roddy drew the nearest first and handed it to me. It was small but heavy. The scrawl read, To Rich from Roddy. My heart quickened, but I opened it slowly. Your best knife, I whispered. I was afraid I might cry. The most magnificent magic had just begun. For this time, we had sought, we each sought gifts for the others from among our own treasures. My heart about burst, watching Roddy open my screwdriver with the inlaid handle. Liz and Ellie ended up with each other's favorite dolls. I don't remember it all, but Len got two from everybody because we each gave him our shoelaces. As we sat amidst our bounty eating B- baby Jesus' birthday cake, Liz asked, Why aren't you wearing your new sweater, Mom? Your new Christmas sweater. Mom's eyes sparkled as she raised her eyebrows and said, Maybe we're all wearing it. Maybe the whole room is wearing it. She rocked back and forth in the old Bentwood rocker, her face glowing in the light of the splendid tree. Roddy's jaw dropped. You could hear him suck in his breath. What? said Liz. She traded it. Roddy said quietly, for the tree. All eyes turned to Mom. I couldn't have done it without all of you, Mom said. Don't you remember being extra good so that I could finish on time? This time she didn't stop the tears in her eyes as we gathered around, hugging her all at once. And Dad was right there with us, in Len's face and Roddy's eyes, in the old blue robe, in the traditions and ornaments, and in that grand mound of tissue paper that had wrapped our Christmas and taught us the best use of things. We hugged Mom until her chair almost rocked right over. Then we jumped and played in the paper like a pile of leaves. Finally, handfuls at a time, We wadded it up tight and tossed it into the shiny porcelain heater, watching the flames and feeling the warmth, one wad at a time, until they were gone. It was my father's last best gift. Well, what is poverty? What do we understand about being poor? You know, one who is poor who lacks the necessity to live. And so it is Our Lady who comes and tells us that I bring you in to a new time when you get to know God more. And the point meant God is one point where Jesus talks about parents when they die, they can do more from heaven than they can do upon the earth. The true story of this person who said this, wrote this story, that really happened in her life, was one of the most joyous Christmases I had. And yet there was a big void there. And so we have to look at the culture. We have to look at the direction we're going. We have to look at where our lady's leading us to, that a mother and what kind of sweater she prepares for us. What is she trading her time in for, for to gain this? There's a book that was written about the Great Depression in 1929 called We Had Everything But Money. These people lost seemingly everything, moved into an army tent, one-room schoolhouse, And yet, we've got to understand that's poverty. I tell you, what's poverty is spiritual poverty. That's what we suffer from today. A benefit mentality that we're owed something 
people riding in Europe because the tuition is going up. They have no concept, not any concept at all, about where we are, what is our condition, and why our blessings that we've taken for granted and learned to love that rather than the who gave the blessing is going to go away. So we're ungrateful people. Uh, we're an ungrateful world. Our ladies come just to show us that. What is the true gift? Gift is peace. Gift is joy. And this family experienced a contradiction of the way the world thinks today. Joy in the midst of not having anything. Real happiness. We see that traces in our community. Our kids right now are making everything for Christmas. They're, they're working at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, just carving stuff out of wood, making different things out of metal. Every present comes from here that they're making for the parents and for each other is made. Uh, my son just showed me something incredible he made because somebody had visited here and said that he didn't have any talent. You wouldn't believe what he made. It's unbelievable out of wood. And so that brings esteem. That brings joy. It brings peace. It means working with God the Creator. It means working with what God gave to us. Frank, I know you're on the line, and we're deep into the show right now, but this story really emulates uh, really what I believe Our Lady has for us in the future. Yeah, it was a, a good story. Usually I envy Joan uh, just has to read her part, and, but uh, I'm glad I didn't have to read it. <laughs> well, we... Uh, Seeing this kind of this season, what we lose, and and everybody's just mimicking the same thing we've gone because we keep going down this railroad track and it has no reverse or no turn, and we've got the opportunity in in the time of invitation to reverse that, and it's very difficult to do that. Uh, no great ship in the ocean can turn around on a dime. It takes miles for it to make a turn. Sometimes I think some I've read ten miles to make a turn. Our Lady, with her messages, has given us the ability to do that. It doesn't mean it's easy. But we're in the time of grace, the time of invitation, where we can do that. And and a large portion, not a large portion, the main portion, the main driving rudder is, is economics. People have to change the way they live to change the direction. Go more simple. These people went from, from a farm to five acres. You can make it on five acres. But what moved with them was the cow, the chicken, and they were still happy. They were still able to provide for themselves. We need to be really reflecting very strong, especially in this season, this Christmas, this winter, of what's happened in this past few months and, and years and how our government is reckless right now in what it's doing, totally mindless and, and with no thought, and that we've got an economy built on debt, a total insane proposition. To make this economy work, we've got to go borrow money, just the opposite Whatever the media says, whatever the financial experts say, do just the opposite because they've got us in this mess to start with. What God provides, you can do. What he don't provide, don't do it. We run the mission this way. We run our lives this way. And it's the way our lay shown. Frank? Yeah, and we can see that uh, history repeats itself and as all fiat money systems go, the uh, governments can't resist spending us into insolvency. So there's not much you know, new in, in that regard, we uh, have a record amount of money coming out of bonds since the since we did the first show in October of 2008, and uh, we... Um, Where are they going to? Well, 
a the lot money, of it, the money. A lot of it is going into equities, into the stock market. Uh, we we certainly have um, record why, sales in silver. Why um, why stock markets? Because people don't realize because because it's going up and and uh, they think now's the time to get out of the. The safe haven and expose themselves to some but why, risk. But why don't they realize it? Because uh, the media and everything is geared towards uh, fooling the people. The, the whole fiat money system is dependent on uh, duping the masses. And so they're still uh, looking at, you know, what's, what's worked in the past and where the traditional media tells you that that's the best place to have your money. And that's the purpose of this show. What's your information source? Where are you getting your information? From those learned, those experts who's made and created this situation, who, who pied pipered you right to the edge of the cliff that you're about to fall into the ocean, just like the pigs that are possessed. We've got a possessed system. Our lady comes every day to exercise that system. And if your information source has changed, what she's trying to get to do, listen to me, she says. You listen to me. I will guide you, she says. She wants to. She says you're on the wrong path. She says change your direction. Okay, she's your information source. Read the Bible. What does the church tell you? What does her messages tell you? When you follow that, then you'll start doing what people are doing. Listen to the show. Frankie was telling me just yesterday. It, since June, ain't gonna happen. Launched the miraculous metal magic around. Just since June, the people who start changing the information source. Following and looking at what I'm saying, looking at the economic situation, the stock markets, where the investments are, and those who have money and those who have very little, all they've changed to their direction being the messages have bought $12 million worth of silver of the America's money. Can you imagine? About 480,000 rounds going on a half a million of these America's medals on one ounce silver pieces. Why is that? That's the question I want you to, to, to answer to me. To everybody out there. And if you've done it and you lean toward that and you want to do it and change and downsize, it's because you're changing the information source. As long as you think the stock market is it, real estate's it, all our proper things that's gotten us to this dead end that we can resurrect this stuff, it ain't going to happen. It simply is not going to happen. It's just basic common reasoning. Isaiah says, Come reason with me, says the Lord. If you do that, you won't stay where you are. You're not going to continue doing the things you're doing. And we see the people that when they hear the show, when they read the book, they call Frank. It's easy for them. You know, uh, in fact, the people that's got the bigger investments, when they call Frank, and Frank, you can vouch for this or elaborate on this, the people that may be getting 10 rounds, you know, they got a lot of questions because they're not sure about doing this. The people that's been investing money in the stock markets and all this stuff, they call in five minutes. You told me yesterday somebody just called you a five-minute conversation $360,000 worth of rounds. Why are they doing that? What made them do that? It, they see it in the message. They see why they need to change this. Not for protecting self, but to, first of all, be transitional so you have something and you hold something until you can get to where you need to get with your little five acres or your 100 acres or whatever you can get. But this is something you immediately can do. So if you want to elaborate on that, when you get a call, typically how, how that goes with the people that really have the means that's made these means... Why are they making these transitions so quickly? Yeah, that's always been amazing to me that, that some of the bigger uh, orders, I've had very, very uh, short conversations with people, 
and uh, they and I don't hear from them again until they get to their delivery. It's just amazing. And then there's other people that order smaller things at first because they've acted on everything that that Caritas has put out, and they've acted on everything that you've written. And it's bear tremendous fruit in their life, and so they don't know what what a silver round is, but they just order it and they get it and they put it in their hands. And then they're calling and they're getting 50000 or or 100000 when they realize, you know, once you put it in your hand, you hold it, you feel it, you look at it, you know, this is real. And, uh, and so it, it is. It's, it's, um, it's just amazing that uh, and so many people want to uh, help Our Lady, and they see um, this collaboration that Our Lady is doing with uh, Caritas in the United States and the most uh, significant news that I read this week, of course, was on your site that, um, you know, the special announcement that everyone should read this uh, tremendous opportunity for our country again and Our Lady corroborating with all the work that you're doing there. And it's just, uh, it's tremendously exciting. You know, I really uh, like to focus on the, the glorious things that are coming because there's so much, so much negative in uh, our economy, but, you know, when Our Lady's doing this for us, uh, you, you can't be anything but hopeful. Well, it's always good when evil's vanquished. It's always a, a better future when light starts to shine in the darkness. It always will go well for us when God comes and changes our direction with his promptings, his help, and then the final things is his admonitions. So, this is an opportunity to take now. That's what the Miraculous Medjugorje Medal Round is about, is to take an opportunity now in the, in the Greenwood that you can't take in the dry wood. It'd be impossible because everything's going to be lost. Physically and spiritually, I say, Alayas says, turn, uh, place everything at God's disposal. Why would you want not to, to, to come in line spiritually with everything, both the temporal goods and those eternal goods? You know, so if you get what you have and you want to turn it to a the temporal good to an eternal good that can help people, I mean, I'm excited to think there's 480,000 rounds out there, and we're just starting with this. That's going to end up in non-believers' hands. The book ain't going to happen. It's got a tremendous story of a Jewish man who didn't want the miraculous medal, who ends up, I won't ruin the story for you. you got to read the book because it's a beautiful, incredible story. The Vatican even recognized it. And there's been millions of conversions through this. So when we can turn our temporal goods into something, which is our necessity anyway, we have to have it, and we can turn it into conversion, it's just a win-win. There's no loss to it. So I want to encourage you to, to get everyone to read Ain't Gonna Happen during the season. Buy as many as you can, give it out. That's the best way to, to introduce people to this. And I've used issues from politics to the environment to government to the Constitution to the Declaration to our nation, to wars, to peace, to uh, criminals. We, we use these issues to bring our lady through the back door. Once, years ago, I was at Granger Cataloger. That, uh, the counter buying something, uh, part for something, and he was frustrated with the computer, and he finally says, you know, it makes about as much sense using these computers as going out my back door, going around the house to my mailbox, coming back out, back to my back house, back into the house. You know, and when he said that, I remembered as a teenager going to Napa for auto parts, they just pull it right off the shelf. 
So what tends to speed is, uh, isn't always an advance. Yeah, you can argue these points, but simply the, the principle about that is that we, we go backwards while we think we're going forward. And that's where we are culture, both economically and, and spiritually. And so our ladies come to change this direction. Our ladies come to show us a new way to live at a time when you'll get to know God more. This family, you just heard the story of, this true story, knows God more. And they knew the joy of God in, in what most people say is poverty. But was it really poverty? Is it really that way? We have spiritual poverty today, and that's our danger. Frank, how can they get a hold of you? Well, you can get a hold of me by uh, calling 877-936-7686 or email uh, globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And uh, the website is globalsilverinvestors.com. But I just wanted to mention uh, people have been calling and asking uh, for a friend of Medjugorje to come to their local area, and I got to do a couple of talks with you. And... uh, it's just been it's been very exciting and a, and a great opportunity. So if this is um, I don't know if this is something that people can do uh, locally. I know that it's it's bared a lot of fruit in the, in the local areas that you've been to. Well, we're going to open up. We're going to have a tight schedule first of the year, but we're going to still open up to do some more of these. So um, it, it's really nice connecting directly to people, and uh, it, it has bared a lot of fruit. We've had a lot of a lot of people requesting that, and then changed people brought people that knew nothing about Medjugorje so we'll be doing that after the first of the year and again that 25th show is going to take place on Monday the 27th that is a three-hour special beginning at 5 p.m. with two hours of Caritas quality Christmas music followed by one hour uh, with a friend of Medjugorje now remember Christmas doesn't end on the 25th like secular society and all the radio stations will quit playing their music and suddenly Jesus is aborted he's dead to them but not to us. Christmas is going into January. We keep our tree up well into January. So we wish you a merry, merry Christmas. We wish you the most Our Lady could give. And what Jesus could give to us is His mother. We love you and wish you Our Lady. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.